Welcome to the Living Waters Church Sunday Sermon. We hope you enjoy today's message. Now let's listen in with Pastor Jay Petty. You know, gifts are wonderful, especially when they're free. All gifts are supposed to be free, right? You're not supposed to be able to get a gift and it's tied to something, right? Well, I'm going to give you this, but you have to do that, right? In, In order to get the gift. A gift is something that's freely given. And there's no strings attached to a gift. Uh, I uh, especially think of, of Christmas when I think of gifts or birthdays because we buy for, for someone and we freely give them a gift. We try to give them what, what they want and, and uh, there's no strings attached to it. We do it, really, we do it out of love. And that's what God does. God does what he does out of love for us. And uh, I want to talk about the free gift for a little bit. But the free gift is not like the offense. For by one man's offense, many died. Much more the grace of God and the gift of that by grace of one man, Jesus Christ. So Adam left us in a real bad situation. He left us with the sin nature that we're born in, that we live in, that we walk in, that it became so much a part of our lives that we were manipulated and controlled by the offense of what Adam did. But when Jesus came, he came to offer us something that would free us. I love that that song, I am free to run, I'm free to dance, I'm free to live for you. And and that's that's what this is speaking to. That free gift gives us the ability to live free of the nature of sin. The gift is not like that which came through the one who had sinned. For the judgments which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation. And so what happened was is that when Adam committed high treason, sin fell on him. And condemnation fell on everyone who was going to come after them. And what it means is that everyone was born already condemned to to death. Condemned to live a life separate from God. And that's the way it is. That's why when people uh, talk about God, people that don't know God, uh, they're spiritually appraised. They cannot understand the things of God because... There's no way for them to to grasp who God is. The thing is, the gift that God offers us opens up a whole new world to us. It opens up a, a complete insight to who God is. It brings us into a relationship with God. And God begins to do things in our life. I don't know about you, but when I first, right after I gave my life to Jesus, I, I just had this unbelievable hunger. And which could not be quenched. And I, 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 just, I just wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. But other things came with it besides that. Certain things like a uh, knowing of certain things. I just knew when something was happening, I just knew that thir- things were going to be all right. I just, something in my heart filled my heart with such assurance of faith that I knew that everything was going to be okay. Now, there are many aspects to this gift that God gives us, and, and, and it's more than just being born again. 
Let, that's the point I want to get past. I want to get past just being born again. I want to get us to a place of relationship because that's really what God wanted and intended for mankind was to have a relationship with man. But because of man's condition, because he was unrighteous, because he lived in this nature that opposed God, God had to do something in order to, uh, to build a relationship with his creation. And so that's what we're speaking to this morning. We're speaking to the fact that this gift opened up a doorway so that we could enter into a place in a relationship with God and we could be like God in the sense that we could know God know what God's will and purpose is in our life. We're not condemned anymore. We're not judged anymore. That's so important for us to understand. Legalism will always put you in bondage. I don't care what it is. If it's law, legalism, if it's whatever it is, it'll always put you in bondage to the thing that that legalism says. And that's what the law did. I, I want to give you a clue this morning, is that, that the law benefited for everyone, whether they knew it or not, because judgment came out of the law, whether it was for the Gentile or for the Jew. It didn't make any difference. When judgment day came, it was about what the law demanded of us. And the law demanded of us to live a righteous life. Period. No excuses. It's not that the law was bad. It was just that we're too weak to, to do it. We, we're too weak to handle it. Our flesh desires what it desires, and it wants what it wants. And, and even though in our hearts we might want to do the will of God, what the Scripture says, we find ourselves doing the very thing that we don't want to do. And so God came to, to create a whole new way of living, a whole new way of walking, and a relationship with him. And that's what he's speaking to. For judgment came from the offense, resulting in condemnation. But the free gift, which came for, for many offenses, resulted in justification. So what Jesus did and the gift that he gave, here's what he did. He said, you're not acquitted. You are acquitted, I'm sorry. Not, you are acquitted. Your sins are done. There's nothing that you, that, that I have against you. You're justified. That was very powerful in relationship since God's demanding us to live a righteous life. All of a sudden, God says, you're justified. The nature of sin that's been in your life no longer has any power over you. You stand unjudged, not condemned. That's pretty powerful. It's in fact, it's very liberating because all of a sudden you can begin to live your life in a different place. And you can begin to walk a different life. But the problem with mankind, he gets caught up in trying to do it for himself. That's what our problem is. We're still trying to obtain to what's already been paid for in full. Right? You know what I'm talking about, right? 
Have you ever told God, I'll never do that again? Is that your effort? Is that you trying to prove to God that you're, that you're never going to do that again? Well, let me give you a secret. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. For if by the one man's offense death reigned to the one man much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So God says this. He says, I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to offer a gift to every mankind. When Jesus went to the cross, he paid for all sin from the beginning to the end. It's all been paid for. Whether someone receives it or not doesn't make any difference. But it's all been paid for for, for everyone, no matter who they are. Sin is paid for. And so what Jesus came to offer mankind was a gift, a gift of righteousness something you couldn't earn, something that you couldn't buy, something there's no way that you could obtain it other than by receiving it. You had to receive this gift of righteousness to be righteous. Now, this is not like the old righteousness of self-righteousness, of obtaining it yourself. This righteousness was the righteousness that God gave you, and all of a sudden you were standing in a right place with God. All of a sudden, your whole life changes because of this gift that you received. That's what Jesus is offering us. That's what Father is offering us, is a life of righteousness. Why? Because that's who God is. That's his character. And the only way that, that, that God could have a relationship with us is for us to be in the same place that he's in. If he's righteous, then we had to be righteous. So God did this in a justified way to bring to us himself. And all of a sudden, we're awakened to a world where God is. It's a gift. We call it the gift of salvation, but that's, Paul calls it a gift of righteousness. When you begin to compare these two things, they're very important, because what Adam offers is death. What God offers is life. What God, what, what, what Adam offered is separation from God. What God offers is oneness with him. The point to be made here is that you no longer have to live on either side of the fence. You can live on God's side of the fence. The biggest struggle we have in our life is our flesh. Would you say that? Let me, let, me tell you, let me tell you what your flesh does. It tells you when you're hungry. It tells you when you're full. It tells you when you're satisfied. It tells you what you want. It tells you how to go get it. It does all those things. How many of you uh, are experiencing that on a day-to-day -day basis? And sometimes we experience it more than we should, right? Right? That was so good, I'll think I'll have another plate. So that, that, that's what it does for you. <clears throat> Your flesh is never going to be justified. Your spirit is. <clears throat> you are. 
this flesh is going to die. It's going to go to the ground. It's going to be buried or burnt or drowned in the sea. It's going to go somewhere. But it's not going to go to God until the resurrection of the righteous. You cannot take it with you. And you know something else? It's very hard to control, isn't it? Until you begin to understand that God is not dealing with your flesh. He's dealing with your spirit. That's why it's a gift of life. That God is offering you this, this place so that you can, you can come to him at any time, any place, no matter what the condition of your life is. You can come to him because he's made a way for you to come there and be there where he is. What is it called? Come boldly before the throne of grace that you might receive mercy and grace in the time of need of help. So what God is saying, and, and if you go back to it again, what Paul was saying, that my flesh is weak. So if I recognize that my flesh is weak, I give God the glory for it. I praise him for it. I thank him for it. Because when I begin to acknowledge the weakness of my own flesh and give God glory, God gives me strength in those places. Wow. But we begin with the gift of righteousness, not the gift that Adam left us. You know the gift that Adam left us, right? Forever, my. Therefore, as though one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, one man's righteous act. The free gift came to all men, resulting in justification. Now, for you that really don't understand some of this, simply is what it was is that we were condemned. And through the gift that God gave us, he justified us. And he said, you're not guilty. Ever been in a courtroom? The gavel? And the judge says, Condemned? You know what I'm talking about? That's judgment. That's condemnation. And so God, what he does, what he does is he sits on his throne and the gavel comes down and he says, you're acquitted. You're justified. Why? Simply because you believe and receive the gift that he's offering you. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. And, and the thing is, it's so simple that anybody, no matter who they are, can have that gift because God offers that gift to every man, woman, and child. All they have to do is believe. And you begin to walk in a new way, in a new life. Now we're going to go to Romans 3.21, if you'll turn there. It says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and, to, and on all who believe. So this righteousness is offered to anybody, no matter who they are. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's out there. It says, if you believe that Jesus did this for you and you reach out to receive it, it becomes yours. And the moment it becomes yours, you receive this gift of life. 
Wow, it's pretty simple, isn't it? We make it so hard to get to Jesus. And we make it so hard for others to get to Jesus when it's simply a matter of believing what Jesus did for us at the cross. You know, I, I have uh, lived, walked this walk a long time. And I have seen people who believe things about God are just not true. There have been people who have taught them and told them that this is what God demands. And the only thing God demands of any man, woman, or child is to believe in his son. That's all. That's where you begin. That's when you become like God in the sense that you have a righteousness in you. I love it. I'm free to run. I'm free to dance. I'm free to live for you. I am free. I am free. I am free from the bonds of sin. I am free from that old nature. I don't have to live there any longer because I've been set free by the power of God and by the power of his blood, and I have been made righteous in his sight. And when he sees me, he sees the righteousness of God in me. Now you're paying attention to your flesh too much, I'm telling you. You're letting your flesh, flesh tell you what God accepts and what God does not accept. God does not work from the outside in. He works from the inside out. Always. He starts in the heart. And he begins to do the work of that righteousness in you. And it and it and it begins to in you and it and it begins to flow begin to flow on the outside so that at some point the things that used to control your life the things that used to you used to have an unbelievable desire for begin to change because they begin to change in you in your soul realm and as they begin to change in your soul realm you desire them not but if you try to control your flesh from the outside you'll be a big failure because God's the only one that can change the heart. And God is the only one who can change the desire. And it begins, it begins with this gift that he's given us. You have to begin to see as Christians, we're not like the world. We don't, we are not like the world. The world is motivated by its flesh and by the desires of its flesh. And it moves that way. And it's unchangeable for them. They cannot help themselves for the things they do. But when God begins the work, he begins it in the heart. And it's by faith. I know that I know. I know I've been saved. I know I have God's Holy Spirit. I know I'm different. I know, I know, I know. That doesn't come in my head, it comes in my heart. And it's transferred to my head, out of my heart, by the power of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Isn't that amazing? There's no one that's outside of this. No one from the time of Adam until the last man that stands. Every man is born in sin. And we live by the nature of it. 
until we come to the cross. That's it. That's how it works. You can't tame it. Sorry. You can't tame it. You can only allow God to continue to transform you. And as he transforms you from the inside, everything on the outside begins to change. It's like this. Why don't they love me? You know, God said they're supposed to love me. Let's see. Now you're expecting someone to love you from the outside in instead of allowing God to show you his love from the inside out. When you're loved by God and you know the love of God, it really doesn't matter what anybody else loves or not because the expression of your heart is love. Or the expression of your heart is peace. That's the first thing that happens to you, you know, when you come to Jesus. All of a sudden, you find peace inside. You feel, you sense this feeling of, of greatness of God's peace in you. And it's so amazing. And we lose it so quickly. But when you learn how to live in it, you learn how to walk in it, you learn how God, when God begins to reveal it to you and show you, and it begins to work inside the heart, revealing peace inside of you, it transcends from you. And all of a sudden, you've got, you've got a life of peace, and it doesn't really matter what's happening out here. That's what righteousness does. That's the gift. It produces many elements of God in you. Many elements of God in you. But it begins with the right standing with God. That God is able to talk to you anytime he wants. In dreams, through people, through his word. He's able to communicate with you because you're on the same level that he is now. He's able to impart to you gifts, healing. Whatever it may be, let me tell you something. None of us deserve anything from God. Let's get that straight. God does this because he offers it to us freely as a gift. And everything that comes with that gift, you're never going to obtain to a level where you can be at that place with God. Stop that. You're already there. Just walk in the things that he gives you and shows you. That's it. So simple. We make it so hard. We make it hard because we're struggling thinking somehow that we can obtain this righteousness when it's already ours. Oh. I think it says that, that all things all things are God. And all things are ours, no matter what they are. You know what that means? It means no matter what God has, it belongs to you already. It is an inherited right of every believer. So it doesn't really matter what it is. If God offers it, it's yours. It comes with that gift of righteousness that he offers you through his son because he's fully accepted you. 
And his love for you is deeper than the deepest ocean and wider than the widest sea. There's no way that you can compare or understand the depth of his concern and love for you. You can only accept that God loves me and that God has the best for me and God's going to do it for me and God's going to do it in me. When we can get to that place to believe that God is going to do it, then we begin to trust. And that's what righteousness really is supposed to do. It's supposed to give us that gift that explodes inside of our lives and produces the fruits of God in us. But somehow, I think the biggest problem we have is trying to get there. Somehow we think we can add to what God's already done. And you cannot. He loves you. And you want something? He loves you exactly the way you are. He loves you exactly in the condition you are. God loves you regardless to where you are. That you cannot change. So that's what righteousness does for us. Am I already out of time? I don't know. I'm never going to get through, am I? Whom God sent forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because of his forbearance, God passed over the sins previously committed. He demonstrates at the present time his righteousness, that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So God is showing us his righteousness by his actions of sending his son and providing for us an access to be like him, a righteous being. Now what righteousness simply means in this most simple fact is it means a right standing with God. In other words, it, what it simply means is that you can come to him no matter what and no matter what your condition is. God doesn't change your his righteousness based upon what you're going through. God's the same, always. That's one thing you can depend on. It's an anchor that no matter where I'm at in my life, the righteousness of God is still in me. I still can stand in God's presence no matter what. I can still have a conversation with God. I can still ask God to pour out into my life. That's pretty powerful that God would give us that kind of access in his throne room. And most of us don't realize that. When you fall short, you feel condemned. You won't even talk to God. Don't you know you can say, God, please forgive me for what I did. Lord, I repent. That's all you got to do. You don't have to do any more. You just say, God, please forgive me for what I've done. And you can be in that relationship with him as always. God doesn't give up on you. You give up on yourself. Romans 6.13 says it this way. Do not present the members as instruments of, of uh, unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God 
uh, as being alive from the dead. Your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves as slaves to obey, you are, the one, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness? That's real simple. Instead of doing the things you've been doing all your life, you know, the, the, one of the things about being born again is realizing that you don't have to live over there anymore. You don't have to live like that anymore. When he says sin has no dominion over you, what he's saying, it has no power to tell you what to do anymore. But, you know, we are, as human beings, creatures of habit. And we usually go, at, you know, where we've been. We think, and we don't realize, we allow ourselves to be led and tempted and falling into this area of our lives that we don't want. Not all of it's bad. You know? Gluttony's not really, really. Is gluttony a sin? You're not under law, so how could it be? I hope you understood just what I said. The only way it can be sin is if you're living under the law that says what sin is. I hope that shakes you a little bit. The scripture says that the law is not our taskmaster anymore. We don't have to listen to it. We don't have to obey it. We can put it on the shelf. We can burn it. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't exist as far as we're concerned anymore. The only thing it was good for was to reveal to us what sin was so that we would come to Jesus. But now it doesn't exist anymore. Let me tell you what happened to you so you get a better picture of it. The influences in our life was the law. You know, I don't care who you are. Every nation has a law, whether they believe in God or not. They have laws that they live by all the way through because if you don't have some kind of law, you have anarchy, you have chaos. But the point was is that, that man lived under the law. And what it meant was is that as long as there was no law, it didn't matter what we did. But we have the law. And the law was to influence us to live a righteous life. That's what its intention was for. Was to say that thou shalt not steal. But here we go. I can't steal. I, thou shalt not steal. If you steal, you're going, you're condemned, you're judged. So what happens when I start thinking about thou shalt not steal? Well, that motorcycle surely looks nice sitting there. Maybe it's not a motorcycle. Maybe it's a something else. It influenced our whole life. 
The thing was is that because we're of the sin nature, the, the problem that existed was the lust of our eyes, the lust of our flesh, and the boastful pride of our life was what ruled us. That's, that's what drove us. And the law came into effect and says, you can't, you can't live that way no more. You can't want that no more. You can't be under that no more. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves wanting the very thing that we can't have. I want that second piece of pie. Really? How many of you ever have two pieces? Or three pieces? Isn't that what we do to ourselves? And then we look on the, we get on the scale and we look at oh my god. What did I what did I do that for? That was the taskmaster. The law was to influence us to do the will of God and to walk a righteous life. That's why it says you're no longer under law. You've got to see the picture of it. God moved us out from under the law and moved us up under grace. Why? Because God wanted to reign and rule in our lives through his grace and influence us through his grace to live a life that would be righteous. I want you to see this. You got you to see this. As Christians, when we try to live up under the law, we have fallen from grace. There's no grace for us at all. So God expected, I guess, I don't know, maybe in the New Testament, they understood this better than we do today. But, but what, what, what Paul is saying, that under grace, we can live a life of righteousness. We can live this life that God is demanding of us because God is influencing us and empowering us by the Holy Spirit to do that. In other words, he's, he's going to tell you, don't do that. Go this way. Go that way. He's going to guide us through his grace. That's how his spirit works in our life. It's the grace of God by the Holy Spirit moving us to where God wants us to go, to bring an end to the flesh, to bring a desire of the flesh to an end so that we live and walk in the fullness of what God has for us. You think the demand of God is any less? I'm, people tell me, well, I sin, but I have got grace. That's not what grace was ever intended for. It was never intended so that you could sin. It was intended to lift you up out of sin and set you on a path of righteousness, influenced and empowered by God himself. That God would reign through grace in your hearts. And that your lives, your lives would be being changed from the inside out and you become more and more and more like Jesus. Sorry, you can read all the books you want, all the self-helps you want, but you're trying to change it from the outside. The only place it changes from the inside is where God dwells in you. And I want to tell you this, that that is so covered up and hampered down that most of the time we don't even recognize it when God is speaking to us. And that's not fair. It's not fair to us. It's not fair to God. Where grace abound, where sin abound, grace abounds super above it. 
In other words, God says, you don't live here anymore. You live here now. Let grace reign through righteousness. Let grace reign through righteousness. Well, what is grace? I've heard it said it's, you know, it's unmerited favor. I look at the dictionary and uh, Greek and I don't see it. Maybe in the Old Testament, but I don't see it in the New. Two words, graciousness, as in gratifying. This makes me feel good. And the other is divine influence upon the heart and its reflection through the life. So here's how God is working it. He's influencing you in your heart. And he's saying, I want, I want you to be holy and righteous. I want you to be faithful and true. I want to have a relationship with you that's more than superficial, but is in the depth of all that I have for you. I want you to know me, and I want to know you. So you begin to look at that. God's way is a much easier way for us to walk than for us trying to accomplish it ourselves. Wouldn't you say? I believe this. I've come to this belief that if we live inside of grace and we allow grace to be the reigning monarch in our life, there's nothing that becomes impossible for us as Christians. I don't think there's anything that we can't overcome. I don't think there's anything that we cannot accomplish. We struggle. I'm telling you as Christians, we struggle. We struggle. We struggle. We struggle trying to do the will of God instead of allowing God to reveal his will in us and, and, and we're embracing his will by the word of God that we know this is what, the, what God's will is. This is what God's word says. But Though we embrace that with our mind, God is doing a different work in our heart. And he's changing our heart to be in agreement with his word. And as he changes our heart to be in agreement with his word, we begin to change. Our life begins to change. And all of a sudden we wake up on the other side of grace and people are saying, man, you, 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 you amaze me. You amaze me. I, I, I see God all over you. I see God all in you. I, I just know who you are because I see it. I feel it. It's tangible. People are hungry for God. But the problem is God wants you to be hungry for him. But he wants you to come to him. He wants to... He wants to be your father, simply put, to train you, to teach you, to show you, to change you, to, you know, to do all the things that he has planned for your life, your personal life. God doesn't make two people the same. Look around. So this plan for your life is different than the plan that you have for your life. Walk out God's plan. Why? Because it's always going to work. Nothing. Listen, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. 
Isn't that powerful? No matter how bad it gets, God still loves me. And God's love is still in my heart. No matter what. That's grace. Well, the whole world hates me. Ah, praise God, they hated Jesus too. There's no, there's no distance that you can't go in the things of God that God cannot change in you. Don't try to do this in a religious way. It's marked for failure. I'm telling you, you're marked for failure. It's real simple. Listen, obey. Listen, obey. As God persuades you, as God moves on you, then move where God is going. It's so simple. Piece of scripture always found very strange to me, but I've always loved it. First John, I mean John, where he says, what is born of flesh is flesh, what is born of spirit is spirit. But do not marvel what I say to you. You must be born again. And what does he say? The wind blows where it wills, and so does everyone else who is born of the Spirit of God. See, that is exactly the place that we're supposed to be living. We're supposed to be living and moving according to the wind of God in us. And how does that work? It works by the influence of grace in us. How did, how did Philip know to go to the Ethiopian eunuch? How did he know? God moved on him. The Spirit says, go, go, wait. What did he do? He waited. And when the Spirit says, get up there now, he got up there. And, he said, and, and then he began to minister to this man. And all of a sudden, the, the Ethiopian eunuch says, hey, man, there's water. What bids me from being baptized? It was all a work of grace. It was all a work of God. Why? Because the Spirit of God was moving or blowing in that individual. He was just moving with God. We're so complexed in our day-to-day -day living. <laughs> struggle. We get up and we struggle every day. Ah, I got it. Why did, the, the thing is, this life was meant for enjoyment, not sinful enjoyment, but enjoyment. And when you're moving with God, and when grace is influencing your life, and you're moving in grace, one thing it's producing is it's changing your heart to be more like God's. That's the fruit of righteousness. That's what he does. That's what God does. That's his job. But it also allows you to be free to enjoy the things that God has set before you. I don't care how hard they are. You don't like trials, do you? Why? Because you don't think you should walk through them? Trials should not influence you to feel bad about a trial. You know how I look at trials? This too shall pass. It's not here forever. So let's just let's get through it, Lord. What are, you, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to teach me? What good do you want to bring out of it? See, everything, everything.
can operate in grace through your life. No matter what it is. No matter who you are. No matter where you are. I'll just tell you this, Alex. The thing that you're searching for has to begin in here. And as you cultivate that in your heart, God changes everything else. And one day what happens? All that stuff is gone. And it never exists anymore. You can't do that. You can only walk in agreement with God. That's all. I don't care who you are. It works the same way in every person, every time. You want change? You want to be more like Jesus? You want your life, you want your life to be seeable and more noticeable in the things of God? Then you have to let God do the work. Yes, you have to pray. Yes, you have to read your Bible. But it changes it when you're praying. Because you know that it's only God can do it. And when you read the Word, it gives you hunger for what God's doing, for what God wants to do, for what God wants to reveal to you. It's not a challenge anymore. I mean, it's not a chore anymore. It becomes, it becomes something that becomes natural, and a natural hunger in you, and a natural want in you. I want to read the Word of God. I want God to speak to me out of His Word. I want to be in prayer. I want to be in His presence. I want to be where God is because He touches me and He heals me and He helps me. And you can't get that, sorry, without Him. So in all the struggle in your, in your walk with God, quit it. Just love him. Amen? He's got the whole world in his hands. 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 He's got me in his hands. He's got you and me and sister. In his hands, he's got you and me and brother. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. God's got it all. You're not here by chance. You weren't born by chance. God knew you before the foundations of the world. Amen? So I'll stand up. Take a moment. Talk to God right now. Just take a moment, talk to God. We're in church, we're allowed. <laughs> talk to God for a minute. Whatever he's speaking to your heart about this morning, talk to him about it. Just tell him, Lord. Just tell him, Lord. God, I love you. God, I need you. I love that song. Every hour, I need you, Lord. Oh, Lord, I, I need you. Every hour, I need you. Tell him, I need you, Lord, in my heart.
I need you to work in me, Lord. The work of grace, the work of righteousness in me, Lord. Lord, help me not to struggle with my flesh, trying to overcome me, because, Lord, you have already done it. Because you're in me. And because you love me. This morning, Father, I surrender my life to you. All of it, Lord. All my days and all my hours. All my shortcomings. Everything, Lord. It belongs to you. And Lord, take my heart and make it yours. Every chamber in my heart, God, make it yours. Make it yours. Let, deliver me, Lord, by your grace and the things that are holding me so that I can be free. Free, Lord Jesus, to be moved by you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today here at the Living Waters Church in Globe, Arizona. We hope you enjoyed the message by Pastor Jay Petty. May you have a great week and may everything you do be blessed by God.